And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Hey, well, welcome to the watch list. My name's Russ Matthews, and hey, you're not Lara Bennett. I am definitely not Russ Matthews. <laughs> I'm not Russ Matthews either. <laughs> you're I'm, not ben, Russ- I'm Ben McKechnie from Hope <laughs> Mornings. Uh, Hope Mornings, yeah. Feeling for Laura Bennett. Yeah, but you're also a good friend. Good friend of the show. and just somebody, All uh, those things. Out. All, All those friendly things. things. So, we get, so we get a new taste, a new feel to the watch list today. Uh, the watch list is where we look at film through the lens of faith, and it's kind of one of those days where we're going to be looking at music, motor cars, miracles, and we might even be able to add in a megalodon at the end. See how I did wow, that? Wow, I yeah. see what you did yeah, I, see that I don't did think this that. has ever happened before in human history, <laughs> all those things together in the one sentence. In all in one sentence. So we're going we're gonna to get stuck right into it because we've got quite a few films and options out there after a kind of a crazy few weeks. But now we kind of move into August and it's one of those times where we kind of get thrown all of these various films that most people don't know anything about. Do you mean smaller films? Not, smaller not films. blockbuster films, all those other films? All the other films okay. that, are, that kind of t- tend to get dumped into August. And the first one we're going to start off with is Chevalier. Ooh la la. Uh, I know. Listen I know. You. You're feeling very French. You know, I got the, I got the accent and everything like that going. So I'm just going to, I'll just go ahead through and describe it real quick. Okay, Ben? And we'll kind of see how Please. it goes. Please. All right, cool. Not yeah, in an accent, though. <laughs> Apart from your well, own. Well, my own accent. My own unique accent. So so anyway, Chevalier actually happens back in the 1700s. It's actually in the court that has Marie Antoinette involved with it and Louis. And... It's a, based on a true story, and it's a young man who's actually came from a Senegalese background. He was his mother was a slave. His um, his father was a slave owner, and uh, so George de Bellion Saint George. Yeah, I know. And that, that's his name. And he, um, so his, his father was an aristocratic landowner, and normally they would have, he would just stayed on the, uh, the land himself as, as far as working. But he had special gifts in not only music, but also dancing and fencing. And his uh, father signed him up to actually go to one of the most prestigious French schools. And he worked his way up through the ranks until he got to the point where he became what is known as, the, he's knighted as the Chevalier of St. George. Um, and he's the first and only Creole man being. What born. does that mean? He's actually the head of like all the music and a kind of culture of that era in the in the court of the of uh, Marie Antoinette. He got knighted as such. Yeah, he did. It's a big deal then. It was a huge deal, and it wasn't just because of his music, but it's also because of his archery prowess or fencing prowess. All the things. Yeah, it's all these things. He's so a he's, Renaissance man. He's a, he was he was so cool. He was definitely so so cool. How and, about the movie though? And so the movie. Well, it was fascinating as a biopic, you know, as a, mu- a music biopic. Uh, it was fascinating because it's not a story I've ever heard before. I, I've never really heard of a heard of this guy. And, and the reason is, we really find out later, is that pretty much all of his history was kind of wiped out of French history in so many ways because they didn't want to necessarily acknowledge that a Creole man had actually been in a position like that until later, until documents were found later and kind of introduced who he was and he was a, pretty much a Renaissance man of significance. Okay, so this time. is helping to rewrite some history that's been someone tried to erase. But you're saying fascinating for all the reasons of it sounds like the story itself, but the delivery in the film, how is that? Yeah, it was good. I mean, the only, the only thing, challenge I have with films like this is that it's based in France. <laughs> you, that it's, doesn't sound good. Like, 
what's wrong with France? Okay, not not that it's based in France that's a bad thing, it's, but everybody keeps their accent. And so the lead actor is phenomenal. I mean, Jim High, he, I mean, he's been around for quite a while. He's in Waves and a lot of other films, but he keeps his American accent and then everybody else has their- Oh, uh, they're their doing English, that. They're doing their English accents and stuff. And so there's nobody with a French accent in the whole film. So after a while, um, you're kind of going, wait a minute, is this an American American interpretation of this history because you know we've seen films like this especially that deal with american slavery and all the different horrors that came from that but it was really compelling but then it, it kind of moved it into this modern english version and so it became a little discombobulating after a while even though the history was fascinating and i thought they did a great job with kind of setting the tone and the atmosphere of it i mean can even mini driver is one of the operatic villains in this whole this whole mini thing driver. mini As driver Gubu hunting and phantom of the opera exactly mini driver yeah and what about the look and the feel and the locations and all that kind of thing given Beautiful. the sumptuousness that you'd expect it is sumptuous yeah sumptuous i good. like the sumptuous but but it was but it, it was good but it, i felt that it, it kind of detracted or distracted from the actual story was to not at least attempt some French or some kind of French accent to kind of go along with it. Maybe that's just me as far as my ears. It's always a hard choice though, isn't it? Because if you do go one way and you start putting on the accents, but you're still speaking English, people can have a go at that by saying you shouldn't just put the French accent on. Right. But then if you go this other way like this, you're right. Then you're still left being distracted by why are you speaking American in a French court back in the 1700s. So overall then, any good? Oh, it was it was good. The other well, the other knock on it, and this is and this isn't even their fault as much. One of the things I love about great music biopics, or when we're seeing an artist that is known for their music, is that we would know their music or be familiar with it. We don't know his music because most of his music was actually kind of written out of um, French history, so we don't even really know most unless you're really a music aficionado. So being familiar with it, because even if you go back to say Amadeus, Amadeus, you know Mozart, we still know some of some of the music that was kind of in a film like that. But then also you look at great ones like you know like ray or uh, walk the line you know which are a little more modern but we know that music this one i did just didn't wasn't familiar with it and so it was beautiful but i wasn't the, the familiarity wasn't there so so then is it for music lovers but like of a particular type who may actually have heard the music or is it for history lovers or who is it for i pretty much would put this squarely in the historians camp um uh, you know as far as honoring it and be able to see a character that we are not familiar with and that we were able to see and appreciate probably for the first time because i mean most of us would never have really been introduced to him before and the, and the acting and everything like that was fine but i probably would say that this is one that could probably be wait until it comes out on streaming and be worthwhile and kind of seeing it there so right yes yeah. but yeah, yeah it was okay it was okay yeah but i'm kind of curious though i mean because you, you you've seen a few movies in your day a few a few of them yeah, yeah you, you love you love film and, and with throughout your career any great music biopics that you would kind of that would kind of stand out to you the guys that we look at some great musicians that we've kind of loved over the years yeah well, as you're talking about this it reminds me of shine that great yeah. film by Scott Hicks uh, about David Helfgott, yeah. the Australian pianist. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, but everything from Love and Mercy, that film about the... Um, the Beach Boys. The, the Beach Boys. Yep. And uh, with Brian Wilson, the front man. The Doors, um, on uh, Oliver Stone's treatment of basically John Mor- Jim Morrison's life mm-hmm. in that. That really crazy, I'm not there, I'm I'm still not there, or I'm still here. What's that Bob Dylan? Oh, the Bob Dylan one, called? yeah, that had like the three 
different. It had Kate yeah. Blanchett and all the different. So different I think what I like about that element. kind of film is when it starts becoming more creative and even tries to depict different eras or different stages of the artist's life or even the vibe or the impression of the artist mm. as opposed to just strictly sticking with their life. So like Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody were good and strong and I like the creative flourishes of those. But even like Walk the Line or Ray, some of that I distance myself from or I don't enjoy because often they dwell too much on the darkness in the right, artist, right. but often they're really selfish people, and yeah. they also almost try to convince you that that's not such a bad thing as long as their art's good. Right. And I'm left a bit conflicted by mm. that. Yeah. Did you Did you enjoy Elvis? Didn't see Elvis. I'm that guy. I, did, I didn't. I didn't see it. I like Baz Luhrmann's work a lot. Right. Meant to get there, didn't do it. I hear it's very good. The watch list was telling me it's very good. <laughs> It was. It was actually, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's definitely a reimagining of of a, a character as far as Elvis. Yeah, you know, he was real, right? He was real. Yeah. He was real. Yes. And then all the people in the film were actually real. Yeah. yeah. But, but also the fact that it was all filmed here in Australia, too, was uh, pretty incredible. But they had American accents. You probably liked that. <laughs> they did. They all did. Even the even the Australian actors who actually pulled off that. So that was really quite good. So, yeah, I did. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Elvis. I thought it was a, a great film and one that worthwhile kind of hitting and considering. And better, most likely, than what I would say was Chevalier. I mean, Chevalier was good, but not necessarily up to that level so um but i mean one thing too though they did that did kind of stand out about it though was him coming kind of up against his the challenges and difficulties of his life the thing that really stood out that was different than say maybe some of the stories out of the united states or even out of england that of very similar era and also similar ilk was that many times those that were kind of suffering through during those times especially in slavery um kind of went back to their faith and their faith really kind of helped them through for him it was pretty much all him it was just all about him and his skills and his abilities to be able to do that and so i found that um the god component really wasn't there as much as what you would necessarily see in many of the stories that we've seen they're similar to this as far as those that have come out of slavery so yeah it's an interesting one so all right so chevalier we've moved from music to the Miracle Club. Now, this is one we've both seen. We have, yeah. Yeah, so and you want to tell us a little bit about it? We're not exactly the target audience, I don't think, um, to <laughs> well, do I liked it. Yeah, talk I mean, about. I also liked it, but I don't think it was a movie made for us, particularly when you learn that uh, Maggie Smith and Kathy Bates and Laura Linney, fantastic actresses, but all right. together in the one story set in the 60s, starts out in Ireland and then moves to France. But it's a, a movie about women uh, dealing particularly with their past just doesn't strike me as a movie that we're going to rush out to. However, a lot of it was very, very good. But the basic mm. premise is this working class area in Ireland and you have uh, Maggie Smith as kind of like a bit of a matriarch in the area. And then there's a local talent contest for some reason where you get to win tickets to Lords, not the cricket ground in England, but <laughs> Lords in France, like the really famous religious right. pilgrim, pilgrim right. site. And it seems like everybody in town wants to go to Lords. And so the, through a what happens in movies, uh, tickets are handed out, they get on the bus and they go. And also on the bus is Chrissy, played by Laura Linney, and she's only just got back to town after 40 years right. of being away. So where's Chrissy been? Why? What happened beforehand? Mm. Plays out predominantly dun, dun, dun. in the very picturesque, quite stunning location of Lords, which I hadn't really clapped eyes on before. I've heard about Lords, right. but never actually seen it. Beautiful, stunning oh, gorgeous. place. So it's a movie that 
raises a lot of stuff, yeah, really strong stuff, and also deals with it quite sensitively too. So, word of warning: abortion and suicide turn up in the Miracle yeah, Club. But one of the strongest things about the film, I thought, was the subtlety in which it dealt with those things. And then almost, Russ, on the other side of that coin, I didn't like some of the subtlety because some of the dynamics in the relationships and the back history, particularly around Chrissy, why she left, what happened between her and Lily, her best friend, Kathy Bates, uh, and Eileen, Maggie Smith, what happened between them all, a few times I wanted for more. Right, I actually wanted to right. know more. And okay. I felt like given the tinderbox of issues that had been set up, I was a little bit disappointed they didn't explode more often. They do. But, like, there is so much to dive into here. Right. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised you've now just left to go back to your room. Right. And then the next scene you're all together again dealing with some other issue that's facing somebody Major else. Issue. Yeah, so, well, but, okay, because you go, going back to what you brought up, because, I mean, it, it was, it's, it's beautiful. It, it's really it's a very special story about community in a way. Yeah. And, and yeah. also what the detriment of what bitterness can actually cause and kind of tearing it apart or not, or a lack of forgiveness and all that. But... With those, those all those great because they also had Stephen Stephen Ray is also in this yes. film, you know. So yeah, um, great actor. Having all of those those great actors, actresses, and actor in the film did it detract from it? I mean, were, was it? Did they all complement the film? I well? thought they did beautifully. The only thing that detracted for me was particularly Kathy Bates's accent. Going back to accents, at oh, least yeah. they try it on. Yeah, at least. And Laura Linney, there's a reason why she doesn't have the Irish accent, but. Kathy Bates, for me, was a little bit distracting. Although the uh, Hope preview that we got to be part of, there was an Irish lady in the crowd, and thankfully she said, no, Kathy Bates' accent was actually (laughs) all right. So don't listen to me about that. But I thought they did complement each other well. It did seem to me like a project where all those women wanted to work together. And that's the reason the film got made. Apparently it's taken 20 years to get the screen. It's directed by a guy called Thaddeus O'Sullivan, awesome Irish name, but a guy, a name you've not heard of. He's a bit of a journeyman, I think. I had a look through his IMDb and he's mainly done TV work, a lot of it and good stuff, but hasn't really made a feature. I found the film at that point then a little bit lacking in a director, as in it's more reliant upon the performances and you almost know that these women are going to get this story through. And so the treatment of the tale is very expected, particularly like the how the men are yeah. presented on screen. And I know it's the 60s and I know dudes were basically buffheads and they weren't Renaissance men and they weren't helping yeah. women out in the household. I get they that. They worked and then went to the pub. Yeah, but they're basically they a punchline in the movie. And they then go back to the bit where this is a film focused on women dealing with, as you're pointing out, bitterness and, and, and anger, but also forgiveness and where that comes in. So all of those things, I think, come together quite well in this film. It's a pretty good example of a movie that my mum would rush out to see. Right. And my mum's got good taste. And, and, and do you think, what is it, would it be worthwhile for your mum or anyone else yes, to be able to go out and see Yes, and more worthwhile in the cinema than not. Right. Because I've Why? seen it both at home and then in the cinema. There's something about... It was just the cinema, but sure. it, there, were, there were nuances in the film, again, going back to the subtleties, but there were nuances that really stood out, such as Maggie Smith, sometimes the close-ups on her face, she's an amazingly brave woman for doing that and seemingly not caring about how she's going to look. She's an older woman. She's not trying to hide it, but that was a great thing about right. the film. But some of the interactions, particularly around the past hurts, I thought really jumped to life on the big screen, and also Lords just looks spectacular right. as well. Well, the thing, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are, because it, it's called The Miracle Club. 
but there really aren't too many miracles that actually happen nah. in it, do, do they? I mean, nah. and it's, so it's really not, is there, it's not really about miracles. Sorry, that's a bit of a spoiler alert. There aren't many miracles that <laughs> happen in the Miracle Club, but I reckon they give that game away in the, in the trailer too. And it's a movie that, like, it's kind of good that it's setting itself up to not be all about miracles. And the women that are going ostensibly are going for a miracle, although even that's a little bit hazy. I thought they could have done a little mm. bit better of configuring them of why they are actually at Lord's. There was some great lines in the movie uh, challenging how few miracles there are actually at Lord's. Right. And given the whole backdrop of this film is the Christian faith, to mm. some description, mm. permeating through Irish culture at the time, through the sure. Catholic Church, and the influence that would have had on people and their outlook on life. All of those things swirl around, but they don't really come to the fore. This isn't a movie that's trying to critique the church, which might be a no. bit of a breath of fresh air for people. The priest character in the film actually comes off very well, yeah. doesn't get flailed like so many other movies do. But it's really feels to me more like uh, a treatment of ideas, miracles, forgiveness, rather than anchoring them in the Christian faith that right. I think is definitely the backdrop of the film. And so to me, it's a bit of a lost opportunity. There's a great moment where Kathy Bates character talks about Jesus in the temple and his response to the commercialization mm. of the faith that people have in him. But that's basically like left to one side. They never come back to it. I'm like, that's a, it, there's too many issues going on in the movie, right. but given it raises forgiveness and whether there's a timeline on forgiveness and how difficult it is to ask for forgiveness, mm. which we all know, it really presents that quite palpably at times but sadly, Russ, I thought they kept coming back to the human answer of whether you and I can forgive, whether these women can forgive each other, not doing it in the power of the one who's forgiven us, right. not doing it in the one of if Jesus has forgiven me so much, that will help to shape my understanding and my desire to forgive. I know it's a movie that largely not right. going to be able to contain all that in there, but I was slightly disappointed given it's called The Miracle Club, where it's set. I expected a little bit more firepower when it came to where true forgiveness comes from rather than the old chestnut of, we can just work it out between us. Right. It, it we'll just leave it to humans to sort it out. But even though they, sh they proved that over the 30 plus years or 40 years that they had it, that they couldn't. Yes. They, that they really didn't, you know, yeah. I mean, that they hadn't. And it really, even though this is a tight knit community, I really loved how it kind of showed how tight knit this community was, but yet, unfortunately, how fractured it was too, in so many ways. And that and the lack of forgiveness led to many of the tragic elements. It was really the, those forgiveness elements that led to so many of the tragedies that occurred within so it. So it's a really good movie then, it, almost whether you see it or you don't, to talk about what's in the movie. Because given it is a story of women separated by decades and the issues they've had and they're now finally confronting each yeah. other about those issues, what it's done to their lives and then what might have happened if you had forgiven and healed earlier, all of that should trigger many people in many ways and in a positive way, which could be reaching out to loved ones that you have been estranged from or you have hurt or whatever it might be. You might actually go on a forgiveness journey yourself, right. whether you see the Miracle Club or whether you don't. Right. There you go. So would you put it on your watch list? Yeah, more than more than more than your movie, more than Yeah. More, more than your music pick. Like it's more more in contrast and I think as you talk about the ideas and I think about the performances again, yes I would. I think there you go. it's a valuable story, well told, capably told, but it's more powerful when you actually 
unpick it and sure. then try to see how it lands in your life. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I would put it on the watch list, but I definitely would kind of pick my shots of who I would recommend it to. Like That's where saying, the, yeah, yeah it's from. like, mom, you're going to love this movie. It's yeah. kind of where I kind of felt like it really landed for me. And no disrespect, my mom's got really good taste. <laughs> so it's my mom. So I'm like going, hey, there you go. All right. Hey, <laughs> now we're good. We're going to go. Where just to next? Right, right naturally. Oh, I mean, you said is, music, Miracle Club. You said motorsports. Motorsports. Of course. Here we go. Of course, is where we naturally go. Right down the road from Lords, we head over to the racetrack. So Gran Turismo. When you first told me about this, I thought it was a remake of Gran Torino, the Clint oh, Eastwood right. film. Oh. I was kind of like excited, kind of not, and then right. Gran Turismo landed. Right. Not to be confused with Gran Torino. It definitely is not Gran Torino. This is Gran Turismo. And interestingly enough, a true story. Yep. It's a true story. So what it is, it's a, a story about, if for those of you who are, are gaming fans, you would definitely know this. Gran Turismo is one of the greatest uh, um, car racing simulation games of all time, many would say. And... Um, and what it was is a contest that a young man named Jan Mardenborough. I got it. Yeah. Jan Mardenborough. Even um, though he's from the UK, living in Wales. Yes. <laughs> he was. I didn't put the French accent on, <laughs> even though his father was African. Please don't. Anyway, yeah, please don't. <laughs> anyway, so this young gamer um, actually made um, history by winning a contest for Gran Turismo. And in so doing, he was kind of pushed towards being a part of this whole, for racing. The act of being in a race car and actually going yeah, to go through. Yeah, went from and, playing the game, the simulator, sorry, the simulator, the simulator, simulator. To actually behind the wheel of a real race car in a real live right. racing team. A real racing team, the GT Academy is actually what it was called. So they, and they went, and it wasn't just him, it was from all over the world. They came, and then he actually went on to become a world-class racer, interestingly enough. And so this is kind of his story, kind of the setup of that. He was 19 years of age, riding his bicycle over to the uh, local sh shop to be able to go through and play the game. But then eventually he finds himself behind the wheel of a major motor car um, and racing on the circuit around Europe. So I'm kind of... <laughs> like it shouldn't be true, but it actually is. And you know what's interesting about it, Ben, because we got to see this together, is that when I went back and saw the and, and kind of dug into the history, they were pretty accurate with most of this. There were some things that they kind of took liberties with, but the majority of it was. And the fact that this kid actually went on, he went on to be a significant racer. I mean, he raced like 200 different races. He won different prizes. He made a good chunk of change as far as making a living as a race car driver. Um, but I'm curious, did you like the film? Not so much. No. no. And I... Don't believe you did either so much. <laughs> it, I, I think I grew to like it more after I kind of found out. It, it, it was the ending where all of a sudden I was seeing that, oh, this was this really happened. Because the way it's kind of set up for me, I'm watching, I'm going, oh, okay, this is all seems very fantasy. Why, you know, like how they're kind of doing it all. And I'm like, like as going, if this could actually happen. This really didn't happen. Come on. But then to kind of find out, no, actually it didn't. It wasn't just him, but it was other racers. They're actually known as sim racers, even though it's kind of a movement against them in so many different ways. But um, I grew to like it a little bit more, but it wasn't one. I think it, it, it's one of those films that needs to be seen on the big screen, though, because I mean, because of the race car, the racing itself. But even that aspect of it was pretty disappointing. Like, it's a movie about a, a kid or a young adult getting behind the wheel of a race car and then doing it for real after playing this simulated game. But the the foot the race footage 
pretty bland mm. and it just does not rev you up the movie oh. at any, at ah, any point nice, and you like that yeah, yeah, and really i thought for a film that is does seem like it's going very true to what actually happened they could have done with a bit more embellishment because if that young lad was as sort of middle of the road like he was nice but not that interesting no so the movie's sort of nice but not that interesting and nothing really happens there's some although there is one moment of drama that's like skated over really really quickly otherwise it's basically a 12 year old's version of if i could go from a game to doing this for real life what would it be like and mm. they've imagined it for a 12 it's it's clearly like made for teen boys like, right so like that's fine that's fine but I can't believe there's let there's not much pulse in the film. It's directed by Neil Blomkamp, who made such a splash with District Nine, Nine and years then Chappie, ago, and Chappie. and Chappie, and then he's just like descended since yeah, then, kind of disappeared. And you haven't really seen him much, and it's like he's not behind the wheel as the film goes along. It's mm. like PlayStation who are trying to make these event movies now. Mm. Uncharted didn't go anywhere, but The Last of Us, the TV show, has. Right. And so everyone's trying to create a universe. I'm sure we're going to create our own movie universe Of course we are, now. yeah, that was it. It's- PlayStation's movie universe is now trying to get in with Gran Turismo, and I thought it was a really lackluster and quite lifeless race movie and we're mm. talking about racing on a track right. where like a kid has not done it for real and then does and then i'm still not enthused about right. it and the the co-stars are pretty good particularly david harbour from stranger things see because david harbour was for me the first half was the best part of the whole film because i mean he was kind of the crotchety old mentor who didn't think this was going to work out he's throwing all these insults at them just trying to get them to do stuff and so i was like going okay i'm like going great this is like a really kind of salty character especially because most of the kids were very one-dimensional and because i mean in life that's kind of where they were where they were sitting but david harbour was great i really enjoyed that but then the second part what happens he becomes the nice guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was quite quickly, but quite quickly. You can do this was pretty much his line uh, throughout the whole second half yep. of the film. And it was like going, okay. I'm like going, oh, we're just going to be nice now. There were some very positive moments and he was probably one of the better parts of the film. Um, probably more so than say Orlando Bloom. Uh, Orlando Bloom. I can't believe that guy continues <laughs> to get work. It's amazing that he turned up in Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean, massive franchises, but he, it's not because of him. Like right. he's not, he's not the way, he's not the reason you rush out. He, mm. he's, he's, and this role is very similar. He's got a really pivotal role. He's basically the guy who came up with this idea of GT Academy, getting gamers into the into right. the cockpit of a real car. Yeah. And yet he is sort of just bland. Right. Beige, largely all the way through, a little bit like Gran Turismo. Do you think <laughs> this movie will actually, though, despite what I'm now alleging, will attract younger people particularly younger lads into the cinema to see a movie about gamers i think i think this is truly a gamers movie i mean this is like one similar similar probably like the super mario brothers like those that but that was entertaining and exciting and i've never even played (laughs) super mario brothers right right that was fantastic right i felt like i was in that game this you do not at any point in gran turismo feel like you're behind the wheel of the car and i expected that that would make me feel like that you might as well stay home and play the game i could have did because i mean i i loved see ford versus ferrari to me is still one of the best race car movies of all time. I mean, just great. But most of the scenes that you see, you don't feel like you're in it. Well, I felt like they did a pretty good job of getting you behind the wheel. (laughs) Yeah, I think that they did. And also, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that, I think for the gamer, I think that they'll probably appreciate this a lot more than because I'm not. A, are you a gamer? I'm not, I am I'm not, not. I'm not a gamer. No. But I, I mean, so I can totally appreciate appreciate the fact of where it was kind of going. So yes, I think it will. I mean, especially after kind of a whole sweeping of Barbie going on for so long, I think there's a, there's going to be a pendulum swing and a desire because even and Gran Turismo will be the one that, that no, swoops in. it's not going to it's not going to be as big, but I think that it will appeal to an audience that maybe Barbie didn't. You touched on before how there is a bit of a um, I believe in you and a and a thread of like follow your dreams and it'll work out, even though it actually wasn't the dream of this young lad to do what he en- ends up going to do. So it's a bit of a furphy in this film, the whole live your dream thing. Right. But did you find anything in this film to take away to actually chew over, whether I'm a 12-year-old boy at a video console or whether I'm me, like I'm struggling to think of something positive to take from this movie that I want to go and talk to you about. If I was walking out with, say, my son, say we went and got to watch this movie together and I'm, not, I'm trying to even understand what's going on. He's a, a gamer, so he'd explain it all to me. But then for me to be able to go to and talk about the David Harbour character, especially the value of mentors specifically, I mean, I think that you can kind of point to it. Maybe he wasn't as great in the end as he was at the beginning, but... Even looking at Jesus's example, I mean, that's really most of his first th- his three years of ministry were investing in, mentoring, discipling his men. You know, the, the, the men and women. You were thinking about Jesus mentoring off the back of I David sure Harbour's mentoring in Gran Turismo. Okay, <laughs> I can. You can get there. I mean, I think you. I th- well, I think you can get there and introduce that in as far as an idea of who's the, who are those people that invest in your life. I mean, I think that that's what. Um, to, to be able to get, I mean, to get all the way to Jesus may be quite a bit of a step, but I think it wouldn't be too hard off this film to see the value of, of those that invested. Because also, his father wanted to invest in his life, but he just couldn't connect with him because he didn't like the same things that they liked together. And so I felt like his father desired that, but yet didn't necessarily get there. But yet, for the David Harbour character, I think that he was able to do that. So yes, I think you can. I'm more convinced than I was one minute ago. <laughs> okay, perfect. Not so, about Gran Turismo. Not, no, not, not about Gran Turismo. Do you have a favorite, like, race, do you, racing? Do you like, in, are there any racing films that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah. There's actually not that many when you come to think of it that, I like cars. This, this movie, as in the Pixar movie, Cars. Yeah. Like, watching Gran Turismo, I was wanting for cars. I wanted the same wow. kind of angles and action in there cars. And Gran Turismo was totally lacking in that. But otherwise, I'm scratching my head a little bit about like really significant, given how significant cars are and racing is to the entire planet, it is amazing how few car movies there actually are. You just there dropped are. one that I haven't actually seen, Ford versus Ferrari. Well, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, James Mangold, I mean, you've got Matt Damon and you've got Christian Bale in the lead roles. True story also. Um, just a, a great story and really one where I, th- I think it's worthwhile off of this. If you were to go see a film about race cars, that would be the one that I Cannibal would Cannibal Run? Cannibal That was pretty great. <laughs> Herbie the Love Bug? There Herbie. we go. Herbie! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not those remake ones, but no, no. the early Oh, yeah, there we the go. Day, the, which, all the way back oh, in the man, day. Man, that is my childhood there right there. there. I love it. There you go. Better so, than a Gran Turismo childhood. There you, know you go. I mean? So you're saying that this wouldn't be on your watch list. Oh, haven't I made that clear? No, it's not on my watch list. No, no. Thank you for asking that. No. Exactly. I just want to make sure you're very clear. No, is it on yours? No, I, only for those who are gamers, I probably would say. This is kind of like Miracle Club. Hey, mom, that one's for you. Hey, gamers, <laughs> this one's for you. You know, as far as Gran Turismo is kind of where that would be. As would be, and not that we're going to talk about it too much, but Meg 2, The Trench came out. And oh, so yeah. Megalodon. So is we this your Megalodon? Megalodon thing. Right. Well, because the thing is, I don't like, this is really more of a monster movie than it was a, a shark movie. Um, and so you're really dealing more with the Godzilla. I didn't see thing. Meg 1. Will I be able to keep up with Meg 2? <laughs> I think so. 
I don't think it's a problem whatsoever to be able to do it. I'm not even a big fan of it. But the one thing I did get a kick because out of this is basically Jason, Jason Statham versus a shark. Three. Three sharks? No, and they're not just sharks. They're dinosaur sharks. They're like oh, massive sorry. sharks. They're megalodons. So I they're apologize. <laughs> uh, dinosaur sharks, yes. Dinosaur sharks. Yes. And, and an octopus. Why not? We'll add that in for a good measure. And, you know, and of course, Jason Statham, he can take them all on. Uh, uh, man, that guy's great. And he, and he knows his range. Well, and the thing is, and too. I like his whole haircut and beard <laughs> arrangement. And there you go. It's perfect. And, well, but the thing is, I think, that kind of finish this on, is that the thing I appreciate about it, the movie knows what it is. You know, it's very self-aware. And so they're just having fun. And, they, and I mean, I had people laughing behind me during the most, what should have been the horrific scenes, you know, because they're just going, oh, this is so stupid. But yet some people really enjoy it. And it did. It was actually one of the top. It didn't knock Barbie off the top, but it definitely was up there this past weekend as far as being a big hit. And like many of the other movies we've discussed today, it's based on a true story. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. I, I don't think so. But, you know, there's always the desire and hope that we'd be able to see, find and discover a Megalodon. <laughs> Be able to see that. So anyway, well, hey, we unfortunately this has been way too much fun, and we're just getting it, getting getting rolling. But the watch list. Let's see, what would we recommend this week? I guess it's the Miracle Club. Yeah, I think it's thumbs up for the Miracle, the Miracle Club. Club. Not just in comparison to everything else, but it is a solid, sturdy relationship drama that raises some really significant stuff. There you go. So that would be the top of the watch list. I would probably go, yeah, maybe with Gran Turismo for the gamers. You're not so much. No, and then obviously Chevalier. Probably wait till it comes out on streaming Ooh, really la, enjoy la. It. there you go Ooh, la, la. well we come to a conclusion ben it's been great having you along i can't wait Thanks to do this again here. this is great we get to do it again we do get to do it oh, again laura's away for long yeah time. yeah i know ah. she's away for a little bit so we're just kind of playing in the playing in the sandbox here but uh make sure you subscribe um wherever you subscribe to your podcast uh, make sure you check out the youtubes on the youtube channel and make sure you put in your comments so uh, we'd love to hear what you think of these films especially gran turismo and also even meg too what your thoughts of those are and always uh, make sure you check out all of our reviews at Hope 103.2 and Real Dialogue and online for more. So just so you know, make sure you grab your seat, grab some popcorn, and we'll see you next time at The Watch List. <laughs> <laughs>